Welcome to Veterans Connected, where maintenance and reliability expert and military veteran Eric Bevavino connects with fellow veterans in industry during each episode, where they exchange their experiences and discuss the transition from the military to industry and the paths and resources that led them to where they are today. The Veterans Connected podcast is proudly produced by the industry's leading network and learning community, Mobius Connect. Eric, over to you. Hello, everyone. I'm Eric Bavino, host of the Mobius Connect podcast focused on connecting military veterans to the maintenance and reliability community. Our aim here is to bridge the understanding gap between the military and civilian worlds, thereby improving the veteran transition journey and ultimately providing hope and a helping hand to any of our brothers and sisters out there struggling to find their way. We'll do this by interviewing veterans who have successfully made it through. For this session, we've chosen to interview one such Navy veteran, Miss Rachel Johnson, whose fascinating and patriotic story is a must listen for anyone interested in joining us on this mission. Today's podcast episode is supported by our friends at Asset Watch. Nicola Labs, the leading condition monitoring and proactive maintenance organization, has officially rebranded to Asset Watch. What makes Asset Watch special is that they not only provide the hardware and software needed to monitor your assets 24-7, but you'll also get a dedicated condition monitoring engineer who will provide you with real-time prescriptive insights on how to prevent downtime. While the company has a new name and a new look, their promise to you remains the same. Check out their new site at AssetWatch.com to learn more and to sign up for a risk-free trial today. Thanks to our friends at Asset Watch for supporting today's episode. Now back to your listening. Welcome, Rachel. Thanks for joining us. How's it going? Going good. Good. And where are you joining us from today? North Carolina. North Carolina. Fantastic. Why don't we start off this interview with a, a little bit about who you are and, and what you're doing today, and then maybe we'll dial it back to the, the early years in, in your Navy experience after that. But what do you do today? Who are you? You know? What's yeah. Rachel's life like? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I live in North Carolina now. I moved here uh, about two years ago now. Uh, I was born and raised in Alaska. I joined the Navy and then I went to Illinois and then Florida and then Virginia. Um, as in the Navy, I worked as an aircraft mechanic. I really enjoyed it. Um, then I turned around and worked for the Navy as a contractor after I got out. And that was fun until it wasn't anymore. And I realized that I wanted to find something different. Uh, so I found uh, SKF through a program that uh, helps with uh, bringing military and transitioning, yeah, transitioning military and veterans uh, into different jobs. Uh, so I started working for SKF uh, a little over six years ago now. I started off as a vibration analyst uh, at a uh, Surface mine is a surface iron mine in uh, upper Michigan. I was there for about four years. And then I was asked to move to North Carolina where I worked at a pulp mill and I started getting more into working with our projects. And uh, a little over a year ago, I made the transition to the project management team. I work, um, work full-time as a project manager now. And I work with our connected technologies and with doing contract implementations and everything in between. Very neat. It sounds like you found your place then after, yes. after a little bit of bouncing around yes. uh, after, <laughs> after the Navy. And so yeah. how many, how many total years were you in the Navy then? A little over five years. Five years active duty. Any reserve time after that or you had no. enough? 
Maybe. Uh, yeah, well, it wasn't uh, my choice to get out. Uh, it was around the time that a lot of us were getting out. Uh, as I mentioned, I worked as a contractor uh, for the Navy, and I basically just, uh, well, I started off at VAW 120, and then I went to HSC 84, and then I started working for VAW 120 again, just wearing a different uniform. Uh, and it just seemed like every time we turned around, you know, it's someone that we saw in a Navy uniform the day before, they were wearing the, the new contractor uniform. So uh, it was interesting experience to turn around and work with everyone that I had served with uh, as a contractor <laughs> in the old, in my old shop, doing my old job, just working as a civilian instead. <laughs> did, did it sort of naturally morph into the same hierarchical structure that was within the squadron or, or was it different? I, I think so. I, I know it was for me. Um, you know, I was an E5 when I left and I was used to being a shift lead and, um, you know, whether we're at home guard or on dead or on the boat. And when I was working as an aircraft mechanic, or sorry, when I worked as a contractor, uh, I started off in the line shack and then I went to the mech shop again. Um, and I was an aircraft mechanic. One was the name of my position. And it was basically like being an E5 in the military again. So. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, jets or helicopters or prop planes, I'm not familiar with the squadron. Oh, uh, yeah. Terminolo uh, terminology other than I think H stands for helicopter. Is that right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, VAW is uh, as a fixed wing airborne early warning. Um, but mm. we had the E2s. So they had the big domes on top. And then we also did the C2s, uh, which were the cargo planes that would go out to the boat. And then at at HSC 84, we had the, uh, we worked on H 60s there. 60s. Nice. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's really where you learned maintenance or, or, you know, you're from Alaska. Were you doing like as, as a kid or a young adult? I mean, did you have other influences in your life that, um, led I watched to my the military? Yeah. yeah. So I watched my dad working on stuff all the time. I mean, they've got a picture of me, even when I was, uh, you know, just a baby. And I'm, I have my dad's uh, flat tip screwdriver and I'm working on my toy truck. <laughs> um, but, you know, I always uh, watched him and, and helped him out when he was working on stuff. Um, and then I had watched Top Gun when I was a little girl and I knew mm -hmm. that I wanted to join the military. Um, I think when I officially came out and said that I was joining, uh, no one was really surprised. Uh, I was in ROTC in high school and I was in Sea Cadets, uh, which is another program. Um, and I just, I knew that, uh, I wanted to be around aircraft. I wanted to, I used to want to be a fighter pilot. Um, and I had applied to the Naval Academy. I started in my junior year and I almost made it in, uh, towards the very end is when I got my rejection letter. Um, I, I really thought I was going to be going to the plebe summer, but, uh, when I got that rejection letter, you know, I cried it out and I was like, okay, well, I still want to, I still want to get in the Navy. So I, uh, enlisted instead so <laughs> it was probably the best thing for you i i went through rotc at penn state and, yeah. and didn't bother applying to the the naval academy not that it's not a great place to go to school and and get an education right. but i think i had more fun yeah uh, at penn state perhaps <laughs> based <laughs> on the experiences of, of the academy grads that i've talked to uh, over, over time so well top gun had an influence on yeah. you <laughs> as well as, as me and i couldn't be a fighter pilot either my eyes were not good enough so i had to really make a choice at the last minute uh, yeah um, ended up in in the hard hat diving community which which was fun but 
it's interesting to see how you know the paths that we take and and how we get there and, and all that did you have any other military veterans in your family or oh yeah uh so i think i was third or fourth generation. i think i can count fourth generation um so my uncle he was uh, uncle on my dad's side he was a marine uh, i got a cousin on my mom's side who was in the army and then my grandfather on my mom's side my mom's side of the family is from alaska um so my grandpa actually served in the alaska territorial guard uh so before alaska was officially a state cool. and then my grandpa on my dad's side he was also in the army and then we have uh, relatives i guess his I'm not, I, I guess it's the next generation back, but they had uh, served during World War I, but uh, the family wasn't in the United States yet. So and it's it's in the family. Yeah, in the family, Army and Marines, and you chose yep. to be a little different going <laughs> yes. to the Navy yeah, and yep. all that. So, uh, so okay, so that, that gets that us gets up, up to... Uh, your enlistment and then so did you go to boot camp on the west coast or or at great mistakes or, or great mistakes okay. <laughs> yep yeah, yeah and then off to uh, a school b school or directly to the squadron how, how does it work in the aviation community i went to a school um so i was supposed to go to pensacola but uh hurricane katrina had kind of wrecked it there so they split um i don't know they split off like the ADs, AEMs, AMEs, ATs, and AEs um, into five different areas. And so I ended up doing uh, my A school in Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, so. Still in Florida, not too bad. Yep. Other side. Yep. Other side Florida. <laughs> I and did like Jacksonville. It was a nice area. Okay. So. Yeah. I mean, beautiful area for sure. Yep. And then uh, off to Norfolk from there. Is, yes. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And what years were you there? Just out of curiosity. Uh, 2006 through 2011. So, okay. or yeah, I think, I think that's right. And then I, it kind of all blurs. Cause then, you know, like I said, I, I turned around and worked for the Navy's contractor. So, uh, I worked on pretty much in the same hangar from like 2006 through 2016. So it's a long okay. time to be in a hangar. <laughs> yeah. Out of Oceana then or, or Norfolk. Oh, Norfolk. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. I was, uh, I was there from 90 to 95, 90 to 94, 95, something like that stationed at a little Creek. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. There, I actually just <laughs> yeah. went back for a reunion, the, the monitor, the recovery at the turret of the civil warship. So oh, okay. There was a reunion and, and my kids and my wife had never been there. So we got to sit on the base on the beach and watch the jets go by, and they were all embarrassed when I yelled out, "That's not the freedom, kids!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice, so, uh, good times, good times. All right, and then uh, you made it to uh, you made it into maintenance transitioning. What what was your you know kind of your experience or your thought process as you had decided to uh, exit the Navy? and find a job what i mean were you feeling stressed about that like i'll just take whatever comes my way or were people recruiting you and trying to pull you into uh, the civilian job how did that work uh so when i found out that i was going to be getting out of the navy um i actually got a call from my aircraft my old aircraft maintenance officer and she told me to get my butt over the line they were hiring so i said yes ma'am and i went and found my lpo and i was like hey i got a job interview 
And he was like, okay, good luck. Uh, so I saw it as a transition uh, to work as a contractor. Um, you know, like I said, I was there for five, five-ish, six years, or I, I don't remember the exact time now, but um, it was getting to a point where I realized that I didn't probably want to work in aviation anymore. Like, I really enjoyed it, but I was ready for something different. And uh, there's a lot of people I knew they were using Bradley Morris um, mm. and the way that they're, you know, the way that their program works is you write your resume and you share it with them and they have a special algorithm that they use and it matches you with companies based on uh, keywords that are in your resume. And I actually ended up attending a conference that they had. It's on a Sunday and a Monday and Sunday you spend uh, practicing your interviewing skills, uh, which was really nice because I'd never really done or had like a real interview before. So I really appreciated that. And then you're given a list of the companies that you're going to be interviewing with on the next day. And so you get to sit in and listen about the different companies. Um, one thing that still sticks with me is that they remind you at the beginning of Sunday, like just to keep an open mind. And, you know, when you're listening to the different companies and, you know, just try not to discount anything before you hear about it. Um, and then the next day you're, I was originally slated for eight interviews and the recruiter I was working with, he was like, one of these I'm taking you off of because you're not going to want to do it. And then there was another one that I asked to not do because it was just going to be too much travel for me. And so uh, SKF was one of the companies that I was matched with and it was one of my top picks. Um, and it was really it was really interesting to hear about it. And I had never heard about vibration analysis before. I was familiar with the brand. I never imagined that I'd be working for them. And, you know, once I started doing the interviewing process with SKF, I was like, wow, I, I really want to work for this company. And I was really excited to get started. Um, but that's how I found SKF and, um, you know, doing the job or work, you know, working as a vibration analyst, it was something that like I'd never heard of. And it sounded like a, it was going to be a fun new challenge. And it really felt like it was a natural transition from working in aircraft maintenance to uh, being a vibration analyst. Hmm. Um, Fantastic. So yeah. <laughs> th this, yeah, this is exactly what we're getting to on, on this podcast. Like how, how did the transition go? And it sounds like the the initial transition, I mean, you were helped by people that you already knew from the Navy. They'd gone over the mm -hmm. line and, and they pulled you in, which, okay, now, now you're still in the same area. You don't have to move. You don't have to really eject your identity, right? Because you're still right. doing the same sort of thing with the same folks. You got a steady paycheck. You, you cross that, that really precarious hurdle or, or the bridge to get to, okay, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I have air, I'm surviving yeah. and I've yeah. got a paycheck and I'm, I'm good. And that, that sounds like a really logical and, and perhaps intelligent and really smart way to go. If you, you know, it doesn't happen to everybody, right? When I, right. I transitioned, there was nobody saying, Hey, come over here. Uh, do this. So tell, tell me more about Bradley Morris. Is that a military, that's a military recruiting company specializing? In yeah, they, uh, yeah, they help uh, transitioning military and veterans. Um, and I, you know, when I know that someone's going to be getting out, I always like check out Bradley Morris or, you know, you don't even have to be like fresh out. Like I, I used it after being out for a few years. Um, so it's, it's available. Um, I think it's a really great program. You get a recruiter, and you, they get to know you and, you know, you get sent, 
you get sent emails uh, with different like jobs that they think you would uh, be fit uh, be a fit for. Um, but I, I think there was a lot of value in being able to attend a conference and it just, it worked out with the time that I signed up for Bradley Morris that I think it was like a month or a month and a half, uh, wait to go to that conference. And I, I really think it's, I think that was the best part of it with working with Bradley Morris and they're there with you too, like the whole time, even after you get the job and they're helping with, they're helping you negotiate, uh, your offer. And, you know, I was able to reach out to them afterwards, you know, and I already, I made the move up to Michigan, uh, cause SKF moved me from Virginia to Michigan. Uh, so when I, I left the military community, like I really left, like I left everything and everyone I knew and started over in a job that I had never heard of. <laughs> so it was, uh, that was jarring, but, uh, I'm glad I did it. So, uh, I guess it's not really any different than, you know, leaving Alaska to join the military and going to boot camp, And, you know, you, don't know what you're doing and you get into a routine and then it's like, okay, well now it's time to move to the next thing. And that's a school. And then you get comfortable and you go to your squadron, you get comfortable at that squadron, you go to the next one. So it just, it was just another uh, transition for me, but it was definitely, that's yeah. <laughs> it well, was a big were, change. You were in Virginia, right? After, after your schools, you were probably there for almost 10 years, 10, 11 yeah. years. So, I mean, it, even, with the courage that you had grown up and had been trained to have and then had been reinforced through the moves and going on your own into the navy and stuff like that it's it's a transition and and i think it's a it's one that takes courage and you know it's can be you know can make people afraid of it right because you're leaving yes the community. <laughs> You, know, yep. you don't have friends, you don't have relatives. I mean, you have to reestablish yourself. And, and I think that's one of the things that veterans bring to the table, comfortability with change because of yes. what's sort of forced on people, easy to make friends, easy to get to know and make friends and, and gain trust and everything like that. So that's, that's fantastic. So in Bradley Morris, I'm sorry if you said it, but how did you get introduced to them? Was that, did you hear about them through a transition class or friends that had uh, friends. used them? Okay. Friends, yep. Yeah, fantastic. And so a specialized a military recruiter, did they charge you anything to be part of it? Or was it just, I mean, I think my understanding, and maybe it's dated, but uh, you're clearly younger than I am. So what, what's the current program here with these guys? Do they ask you to pay anything up front or is it all paid by the, like for SKF, for example, would pay the recruiting fees out of, you know, what if, yeah. if there's any fees, I don't, I don't know what they were. Um, okay. So you didn't have to pay anything. No, no. Uh, even when I went on the, uh, I went on a couple interviews. Um, I was with SKF. I went to, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and then Marquette, Michigan for interviews. Um, they paid for it. So, and they, you know, the, the airfare, um, uh, and the, uh, hotel, and then the, the managers that they had on site there, uh, they picked me up, uh, and drove me to and from the site. And, uh, when I was in Marquette, Michigan, uh, the manager that I worked for up there, you know, he had given me a ride around the area. Um, so I got to see what I would be getting myself into. So, which was nice because when I flew into Marquette, um, it was late at night and it's kind of in the middle of nowhere up there. And so when I was driving from the airport to 
the hotel and it was pouring down rain and I'm driving like this mountainous terrain. I was like, what did I get myself into? (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, the next morning I met him at six o'clock in the morning so we could uh, go out to the mine and, you know, it was still very dark. It was in September. So it was, it was pretty dark and we're driving through the wilderness. It felt like, and I was like, yeah, really what, (laughs) what did I get myself into? But he took me on a tour of Marquette the next day. And I was like, wow, this is really, this is really pretty here. So I'm definitely glad that I got to see that. Um, nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, so, so a couple of things to, to sort of recount here doesn't cause legit recruiters that are looking for your best interests are paid by the companies that hire them, not by the candidates. So I've given sort of this advice before because it was my experience. You're updating it and confirming it now that it shouldn't cost you anything but your time. Right. To, to invest in that they have a program for success, which, you know, may seem like speed dating or something like eight <laughs> interviews in a day, you know, it's yeah. a lot, it can be draining, but if you're well-prepared and mm-hmm. they're, they're matching up, they have a system of matching up military skills with what civilian employers are looking for. That's really valuable. Really I, yes, valuable. I think so. Well, good. And, and then when you went on the interviews that for people who don't know or, or veterans that are going through the transition, employers that are interviewing you or, you know, it's it's a little bit of a sell both ways, right? You're selling right. yourself to the employer, plus they're selling them to you. So they pay for your airfare, they pay for your hotel, they should make sure you're safe and taken care of and you get right. from point A to point B. So if you're in the situation, like you landed in Marquette and you don't have anybody that shows up or they're like, Hey, just, you know, bop in down here and it's very clunky and you have to go through you know, like mine safety training on your own or whatever, you know, the, the opposite of what happened to you. Right. That, mm-hmm. then that would be a red flag for somebody perhaps, um, going on a job interview. So fantastic. All right. So that's how you got to this sort of global, globally respected, well-organized, well-run company from what I can tell. Yep. And SKF, I've been to some of their training in King of Prussia. It's been really, really good learning the ins and outs of, of bearings and the importance of maintenance. So, okay. So Good. So we talked about where you've grown up, how you transitioned, uh, what role maintenance and reliability played in your time and your service. So now you're a project manager. So mm-hmm. how, how did that come to be? I mean, I, I'm expecting there may be some <laughs> links here between yeah. uh, your service and, and the gravitation toward that they pick you out of that? Or were you like, hey, I think that's that, you know, matches my skill set. How did that happen? Uh, I think I've always liked projects. I've always been very passionate about it. Um, you know, I love being able to take the corner, the idea on the corner of a napkin and make it into reality. Um, uh, but when, you know, and I think, I think back to when I worked on aircraft, um, you know, every job that we got, I was a CDI, which meant that I was checking work, uh, in progress. I was doing final lookovers of everything. And, you know, generally we're, 
overseeing a, a job that's going to like if you change out a starter or you know changing an engine out or you're doing something with the prop like a cdi is involved and they're running the job and it's kind of like a mini project um you know you get your team you get your you get everything set up for it you're making sure that your team can uh reach the end goal if there's any blockers that come up you're clearing those blockers out for them you're keeping maintenance control which would be like the stakeholders uh, up to date on progress um and then I spent a lot of time too on, we call them like maintenance action teams or maintenance inspection team, build team, tiger team. <laughs> they had different names for it, but uh, we would either take an aircraft that had been down for a few months. We call them our hangar queens. Uh, you know, they've been stripped of parts and they haven't flown in a while and we'd get them up and flying again. Or we'd have an aircraft that was getting ready to go down for like a 200 through 1200 hour, which means it's going to be down for a while. Um, so they keep the same crew on the aircraft working on it uh, to get it through those inspections. And then you do that and then you get it flying again. So those were all just kind of like mini projects I saw. Um, it just really felt like a natural transition to me. Uh, and then when I started working for SKF is when I realized that I wanted to go to school. So I used my GI Bill, which is really nice to be able to use that. And uh, the GI Bill was able to cover my bachelor's and all but two classes in my master's. Uh, so I was working full-time and going to school full-time uh, from about August 2017 through May of last year. I was just, and I was just always busy. I was always in doing schoolwork, but. Uh, you say full-time, so did yeah. SKF gave you a leave of absence or sabbatical or something? It like was that? online. It was online school. Oh, so it was usually, oh. yep. I was working on it uh, outside of my work hours. So oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I would work all day and then I would get home, have a little bit of a break. And then I would be up late, usually most nights uh, doing my schoolwork, making sure I stayed on top of everything. So, but I, yeah, my, my bachelor's was, uh, when I was trying to pick it out, like I knew it was going to be technical management. And then I was trying to pick like what my concentration would be in. And I saw project management and I was like, okay, well this, this kind of makes sense for me. And it's very versatile. Um, and I'm glad I did it. So it just, yeah, like I said, it just felt like a natural transition for me. And even, uh, talking to managers, you know, they asked what my five-year goal is and I was like, oh, I want to be involved with projects. So it was really nice that, um, they were an advocate for me to reach my goals. So good leadership and management. Yes. And I can only imagine how intense uh, going through refitting or rebuilding an aircraft to the reliability standards of, of the Navy must yes. be <laughs> and, and stakeholder involvement. And really, I mean, at that phase of your life, you were in your early 20s, right? Early, yes. Maybe mid, mid 20s. Early 20s, yeah. Which is like, I mean... <laughs> What kind of tremendous experience? So, so you have a templated form. You, you need to apply leadership, which you're, which mm -hmm. you've learned in the Navy. You're, you know, learning the the process. And and if you have a natural ability or affinity towards that stuff, then it really really clicks and makes sense. So that's great. And congratulations on your bachelor's. Are you going to finish your master's? Or I did. I finished oh, it you last did year. Finish your. Oh, yep. okay. Great. Great. Yep. Uh, just out of curiosity, uh, what was the school that you went to? I went to DeVry for my okay. undergrad, and then I did Jack Welch Management Institute for my master's, which is through Strayer. Fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Thank those. you. I'm, uh, 
a little latecomer to the uh, postgraduate work uh, in my master's, but I'm going through American Military University all online. Okay. Through through the APUS system, public university system. So we'll see how that goes. I have three classes, three electives, and a project left after okay. marketing. And uh, marketing's going pretty well for me now. I've yeah. Done, done a marketing job before. So, but, <laughs> but this is great. This theme of project management runs through many of these interviews because. It's really, I, I think maintenance and operations are really mission accomplishment critical things that the military really stresses, at least the Navy and, and the folks that have been on the phone from the Army. We haven't had any Marines yet. We did have a Coast Guard, Coast okay. Guardsman, but um, yeah, interesting. It goes along with that theme. So you're <laughs> as happy as you could be in this role, I, I take it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So I'm very happy to be here. And yeah, I love the people that I work with. I love the company that I work for. It's It's been really great. So I feel really grateful to be where I'm at. And uh, if I hadn't kept that open mind, like they told me to at the Bradley Morris conference, I don't know where I'd be. So I think it's definitely important to keep an open mind and be open to new opportunities um, instead of trying to focus on what your life should have or, or could have been. You know, you just got to reroute so hey, you got to redirect your passion right? yep. or, or figure out what's next, because I think uh, I think that's great advice. Right. And and thank yeah. you for for bringing it up here as an impactful lesson that you learned through through the process, because I mean, we're we're trained in the military to be specialists and experts in our field. And right. You know, it doesn't always translate as as easily as one might think, especially for folks who are in army infantry or Marine. Oh yeah. Raider. I mean, special force people, you know, there aren't normally civilian jobs where you get to go out and, you know, blow yeah. Bad yeah. Guys, right. You know, that, <laughs> yeah. that type of thing. Right. And, and, and keeping an open mind because really the core I think is leadership, leadership and discipline. Yep. And sort of flexibility, I agree. right? So yep. yeah, great, great point. Thank you for that. So was there any uh, kind of identity challenge going from a mission of, uh, you know, serving the U.S. in, in defense of, of like the homeland or the world, mm -hmm. or, you know, democracy writ large, you know, that <laughs> type of thing? <laughs> when you When you went to the civilian world, did you have to kind of determine how to figure out what your why was through that that process or did, was it pretty kind of natural for you when you did that I don't think I struggled with it at all um you know it was mostly just I was trying to figure out what what I was going to do <laughs> I was trying yeah, to figure out what I was going to yeah. do when I when I grew up but um well good yeah I mean that's that's something that that sometimes um, folks have a, have a challenge with. But it sounds like you were like clicking, clicking right over, and then you know, yeah, life I, life presented good opportunities, and you worked hard. You know, the yep. preparation of opportunity and and uh, preparation is is where it comes together, right? So, yeah. Okay, so I've got a few more questions on on the list here, and 
and we'll we'll hit these. Um, okay. I think the next one is, what role did leadership play in your military experience, and what leadership roles did you have at what age? I and mean, we talked a little bit about it, but are, were there any any other things you want to mention there? Um. One thing when I, you know, when I, because I'd seen these questions before, right? And there was something that uh, I was thinking about a lot. And when, you know, when I learned is when I was in the Navy, like we were always preparing our replacement and and getting our, you know, the the next group of people after us ready to take our position. Um, And, you know, I I really think that uh, rings true for what leadership is, is you're, you're building your team, you're building your people. And uh, I really tried to bring that into the role that I have now, you know, I'm a project manager and you know, I don't have anyone that's, you know, t- getting ready to take over my position, but, you know, I definitely try to think about like, you know, if I win the lottery tomorrow and, you know, I win a, a couple hundred million dollars and I said, I'm going to go buy an Island and say bye to the working world. Um, you know, I, I want to be able to share my knowledge and have a way to, um, you know, if someone were to, to step into my job tomorrow, I'll be able to have like a seamless transition and make sure that they have what they need to succeed. Um, I don't know if that's coming off the way that I wanted it to, but oh, you know, it's sure. just always yeah. It's a consideration yeah. for the for the team that you're leaving. You know, leave it in in the same or better shape as you know when you were there, right? And it's yeah, this is counterintuitive for many many people, right? They're yeah. Like, oh, I'm, I-, <laughs> I got the next job. See you later. You know. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I got some binders on my desk, and here's. 45 megabytes of files go through. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember when I was, uh, so I was working as a contractor and I was working mids. um, And when we were still allowed to turn the aircraft up at night, uh, I remember there was, I was the only, uh, I was the only CDI for the mech shop. And I was the only turn turn qual person for the entire shift. And I remember there was one time that uh, I had to stop hanging a prop so I could go turn an aircraft or I, you know, get the aircraft ready for the pilot to take over if it was early enough in the night. And then there was, you know, another night that uh, we had one aircraft, we were trying to get the propeller balanced and we were having issues for whatever reason. And then there was another aircraft that we had to, we were doing acceptance turns on it. You know, when you, the, cause the aircraft are always transferring through the squadrons. Uh, you get the, you get the aircraft and you do a look over over it. You're looking to make sure everything is there and you, turn up the engines and make sure everything's working right. And that aircraft kept having uh, a leak or an issue with the hydraulics. And I just ping pong the whole night between the two aircraft. And I had to sneak away to grab myself some lunch. Um, and, you know, it's, if I could train more people to, to do what I could do, then I wouldn't be the only one doing it. It's, it's less work for me. And it helps uh, other people get like a, a broader knowledge of working on the aircraft. And that was something that, um, you know, another thing that I always kept in mind uh, when we get new people, uh, either, you know, new airmen were coming in or we get a new contractor coming in and working and, you know, making sure that they are learning to work on all parts of the aircraft and not just, or, you know, all parts of what we do as a mechanic uh, or working on the engines um, instead of just focusing on one part of it. You know, like if one person was really good with rigging and another person didn't really have experience with it, well, need to get those two working together and get that knowledge sharing going and you can start training the next generation and, and getting them ready. So there was, there was a lot of that, making sure that um, just passing the knowledge along uh, and developing the people and making sure that they're, they can be successful. So. 
Uh, being being overloaded <laughs> has a way of uh, inspiring your creative yep. incentive uh, for for doing that. But it, the Navy and and the folks like yourself that that go into the service um, tend to have the mindset of of helping mm-hmm. others and and all that. So that that works naturally. And I think um, on the on the ships that I was on. If you didn't have more qualified watchstanders, you were yep. the person standing <laughs> the watch. So yeah, <laughs> port and starboard watches twelve on twelve off gets pretty, yeah, pretty old pretty fast. Uh, yeah, congratulations, you've been <laughs> qualified, <laughs> but uh, yeah, here, here's yeah. your next program. Yeah, so fantastic, and I I think that's also a a huge benefit of hiring veterans or having veterans on the staff so well good so uh, Rachel let's see tell us what advice you would give any service member planning to transition to the civilian world that you wish you had when you made that move I would say using the resources that are available to you sooner um, you know, I'm glad that things worked out the way that they did for me. Um, but you know, there's these great programs out there. Um, there's another one that I heard about recently, Heroes Make America. Um, they're associated, I think, with the Manufacturing Institute. Uh, there is ACP, which is American Corporate Partners, and that's actually another pro that's a program where uh transitioning military and veterans, and I think it extends the spouses as well. They pair you with um someone in the private sector for a year and it's a mentor, it's a mentorship um, and it's available. And I, I think it's really great. I've, I, uh, I was a mentor for one person and I, you know, it was, it was nice. He was getting ready to get out of the Navy and, you know, it was really nice to be able to, to work with him and, and help him get it set up for success. Um, and I also pointed him in the direction of Bradley Morris. Um, you know, that would have been, cool to see what would happen, I guess, if I would have gotten to use it sooner, but, you know, just use the, use the resources that are available. Um, you know, it wasn't until I moved either that I used the VA loan to buy a house. So mm-hmm. I bought my first house when I moved to Michigan. Um, yeah. ACP, Bradley Morris, there's a lot of great programs out there. And, uh, you know, it's designed to help get transitioning military and veterans set up for success and translating what they did in the military into, uh, the civilian world. Um, so I, I think they're really great programs. <laughs> Which is key. So thanks for, for highlighting these. I had not personally heard of American Corporate Partners before, but I imagine that it's a program that since you participated, it must be a program that SKF uh, is involved in. Yes. So awesome. Yep. Um, and in mentorship volunteer, I suspect. Yes, it was um, a volunteer thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And in, in what this is doing, Rachel, thank you uh, for this is because in Heroes Make America, because there's a sea of helpful opportunities out there, but mm-hmm. pinning them down can, I think, be a challenge yeah. as well, right? As, you know, you saying Bradley Morris and, and ACP, I mean, that can come together. Skill Bridge can come mm-hmm. together for, for somebody else, depending on where they're at. And I think um, there's so many things out there that it can get, it can get confusing or like, which one? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> or if I picked the wrong one, but 
having you um, give a sort of a personal endorsement for ACP, it makes, makes a big, you know, it's a big deal. Yeah. And uh, I'm actually, I realized that uh, I want to mentor now. So I'm actually using the program. I'm using it on the other side of it. So uh, oh. I'm waiting. Yep. So <laughs> I got to be okay. a mentor and then now I get to be the mentee. So I'm excited for that to, to try it out. So. Oh. <laughs> great suggestion yeah. right because yeah. corporate america is not uh necessarily always focused on you know leadership mentorship or or leadership mentoring or executive uh, mentoring or anything like that you know there are places out there where you just have to kind of figure it out on your own and mm-hmm. and see see how it goes so well, the, you know, the nice thing, though, with SKF is that they do have uh, a mentorship program. Um, I did have a mentor with SKF, and then I started working for my mentor. So we realized that it's probably a good idea that uh, we terminated <laughs> the mentorship. Um, but, you know, I, I was, you know, it, it's nothing against SKF for the mentors there. You know, I was looking for something that is outside of the company. Um, but, you know, it's it's available for me to use. Why not use it? So that's the... Well, why not? And, and you also <laughs> yeah. mentioned the G, GI Bill and the VA, yeah. uh, no money down, yeah. uh, home purchase op- option, which I also used for mm-hmm. the, the, my first home in, gee, uh, I forget the name of the town. It was outside of Chesapeake. Chesapeake. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. where the, the house was. And, and I mean, it just gives you such a such a leg up in establishing equity in, in yes. one of the most important investments that you can have that typically, you know, appreciates in value. So um, good advice, great advice there. So thank you. So next, Rachel, what guidance would you share uh, to corporate hire with corporate hiring managers about veterans that they need to know to get the best military fits for the positions they're seeking to fill? Uh, well, I think there's there's two parts that I'd like to share for this. And, you know, I think the first one is that, you know, we're not going to know um, the acronyms and the jargon for, you know, veterans aren't going to understand it for the corporate side. And then, you know, the corporate side or private sector or what have you isn't going to necessarily understand it for the military. But I think it's really important to listen to the story that they're telling and, you know, maybe see how what they're sharing can apply to the positions that you're looking for. And something that I really liked with the first interview that I did with SKF is that the, uh, the gentleman I interviewed with, he broke the job description down into very basic blocks, I, I think, like very basic foundation or very basic building blocks of it. And he was like, can you do this or how can you relate to doing this? And it made it really easy for me to, um, to, to feel that like, yes, I can do this. And yes, I have done something like this. Um, you know, he told me like with being the vibration analyst, we're going to be located on a customer site. We're going to be, you know, inspecting the equipment. We're going to be looking for issues. We write it up, it gets fixed and we're going to go out there and make sure that everything is running the way that it's supposed to. And having the job explained like that, you know, I was like, okay, well I do that now, you know, working on the aircraft, like I'm constantly inspecting them, looking over them. We find an issue, we write it up we fix it and then we check it afterwards to make sure that everything is, is running great again. Um, so I think that's definitely very helpful um, 
you know, he could have thrown in acronyms that I wouldn't have known, like start talking about an FFT spectrum or talking about waveforms or something. And I would have been like, yeah, no, like, <laughs> like, I don't know if I could have done that, but um, breaking it down, breaking the job down into the very basic parts of it, I think really helps out um, and helps understand, helps the person understand too, what they're getting into. And I think helps empower them to feel that they can do the job or, you know, they can find employment outside of the military. So tremendous advice. Tremendous advice that I don't believe that we've had on this uh, podcast before. Uh, this this is great. Yeah. So I mean, when you when you break down the the job elements into their basic tasks, so we, I mean, what what a great way to to go about it instead of saying right. hey, you know the CCT spectrum or whatever whatever it happens to be in vibration analysis. Mm-hmm. or we're going to go work on a drag line or we're going to be underground and, you know just you know the mining vernacular versus the aircraft maintenance vernacular probably couldn't yeah. be more, more different right, <laughs> right. i mean pretty, pretty different <laughs> with the basic elements of what each yep. is is doing in maintenance and, and vibration analysis in this case are similar so yeah, yeah, that can be off-putting. I could see how that could be off-putting or create misunderstanding yep. uh, between two people that could be, or two uh, a candidate and a company that could be a perfect match if that mm-hmm. care is not not taken in some empathy exercise. So, very good. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Okay, Rachel. Well, that's we're we're coming down to the the last couple questions here on the list, and uh, you've done a fantastic job. So, thank you for that, and and being the first female interviewee, I really appreciate that too. We need lady (laughs) veterans on this uh, podcast. So, if you have any other friends that uh, are are doing this too, please you know, tell them to, to come along. We need, uh, we need more ladies on the podcast. So on the, the last, next, last question, is there anything we didn't cover today that you'd like to relate to listeners, either vets or those looking to connect with them? Uh, I think, I think we covered a lot of it. I know I got my, I got my notes here, but, uh, No, I, I think that's, you know, I think keeping that open mind, and I, I know we've talked about it, but I, I just, I feel like I can't stress that enough is just keeping an open mind to the possibilities um, and looking for opportunities instead of, and I mean, it, it can be scary, right? Like starting completely over. I went from a community where I had a good reputation and I knew everybody and I knew the, I knew everything. And then I just, I picked up a move and I started over again, but I think it was the best thing that I could have done. Um, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed my journey so far. Uh, definitely not what I thought, you know, I thought I was going to be a lifer in the military. Uh, that was the plan. Uh, but you know, plans change and that's okay. So just got to figure out what the next step is going to be. Um, and I guess that, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh yeah. And I was going to, I guess I was going to say too, I was thinking a lot about, um, Another, like something else that, you know, and I think we touched on it a little bit is that adaptability and the flexibility. And I think that is really important skill to have, um, you know, the being able to make a plan and then know that the plan's going to change and, 
you know, being comfortable with it and picking up and, and changing your priorities, like, you know, working in aviation maintenance, like you put the flight schedule up on the board in the morning and 12 out of 10 times the flight schedule that gets erased is not the same as it was in the morning, but that's okay because we anticipate it. And um, I think that skill has really helped me also, you know, just being able to adapt and overcome and figuring out what the next, you know, not just getting too stuck. Right. I think that kind of ties in with the keeping an open mind, just being ready for change and, and know that it's going to happen and be okay with it. You no, know, that's life may not turn out the way that you think it's going to, and that's okay because there might be something better. So you just got to look for it. Right. <laughs> well, well said. Yeah, <laughs> true words have never been spoken. I mean, that adapt, adjust to overcome and I mean, life's coming at us fast, faster than it ever has with technology. So yes, being, being open-minded to change is not only going to be a nice to have, but probably a need to have uh, going I agree. forward um, for, for everybody. So great advice, well-spoken. And do you have any unique highlights? Are there any stories that you tell uh, over and over again from your from your Navy experience, like there I was, there I was right on the tail of a Meg. And <laughs> even though neither you or I got there, right? right. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I think the, no, I just, uh, you know, I, 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 I know I'm like stammering now, but uh, no, I, I think the, the one that I definitely like to share and the one that I tell is the one where, you know, with Bradley Morris and, and keeping an open mind, um, yep. taking those blinders off, you know, and, and being really open. Um, I mean, I'm sure I could go on and on about the the different things that have happened with working on the aircraft and, you know, being up on the flight deck and working or, you know, just different things that have happened. But uh, it was a really enjoyable experience. And, you know, and I, I at least that, you know, I know that I can look back and smile that it happened. Um, and I think that, you know, it helped make me who I am today. But you know, I, I did really enjoy it. I loved turning wrenches. I loved working on the aircraft and, uh, you know, I really loved being able to operate the aircraft too. Um, I, I could do everything, but, but turn, uh, I mean, uh, but taxi or fly it. Uh, that was, that was pretty cool. I do kind of miss cool. that. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. <laughs> you know, being in your mid twenties and you're in charge of a multi-million dollar aircraft, that's, <laughs> It's a lot of responsibility for someone. Not but, bad. And not yeah. just on a video game console, <laughs> right? Like right. The yeah. Real deal. <laughs> yep. The real deal. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you, Rachel. I, I sincerely appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and to help us on this mission. How can folks get a hold of you if they want to learn more? Are you on LinkedIn? I'm okay. on LinkedIn. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. That's uh, that seems to be the professional social media site of, of choice. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's good. So before we close out, I'd like to remind our listeners to give us a five star rating if you enjoy what you heard here and it'll really help us out. So thank you, Rachel. And thank you to Mobius for providing this platform help both transitioning vets as well as those looking to hire them in the field of maintenance and reliability. It's been a great pleasure talking to you, Rachel, today. Thank you so much for your service and for helping us out. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Have a great weekend. Thanks. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Veterans Connected. We will see you back for another episode very soon. In between, we hope to see you in the Veterans Connected community group where you can meet Eric and fellow podcast guests 
and share with other industry veterans at mobiusconnect ah com. and we hope to see you there.